Okay, I'd like to finish up um, some points that we, we really left out on Perak Aleph. And let's start with the following. So in the very beginning, um, Yona gets up to run down to Tarshish from in front of Hashem. And he finds a boat. Now it's very unusual when the Pesach says he found the boat. What do you mean he found the boat? And the Torah seems to be telling us something here, seems to be indicating something over here. And the Medrash Tantchuma, and it's really paralleled with the, in the Empire uh, of explain that actually what happened was he found the boat because there really was no boat there. That boat that he actually got on was two days out of Yafo. It was <coughs> two days out, and suddenly a huge wind just came and started blowing it, blowing it out of course, and somehow it ended up in this port of Yafo. At that point, Yonah realizes this, and he gets on the boat, and explains the Medrash that this was Lenasus as Yonah. Hashem arranged this as part of the test of Yonah. This was ultimately part of his, part of what he was going to go through. But Hashem was arranging this because Hashem wanted him to say the Nevuah, and this was one step in the process of sort of forcing Yonah into a position where he would in fact say the Nevuah. But in any case, Noah. Yonah did not realize that. And when he saw this boat, Ra'a Yonah v'samach simcha gedola. When Yonah saw this boat, he was joyful, very, very happy. He said to himself as follows, Now I know that my ways are correct. He took it as a sign from heaven. Look at that, there was no boat here. And miraculously, a wind suddenly comes and blows a boat two days off of course, literally two days uh, distance in a very short time. Obviously, it's a sin min shamayim that min shamayim they are accepting what I'm to do, that my ways are correct, that I'm right and justified in what I'm doing. And what Yonah did over there was a very interesting thing. He learnt pshat in a certain event. He assumed that it was a concurrence, he assumed that shamayim was agreeing with him. Because look, he had this cheshben, I want to avoid hurting the Klaisol, and it is it is a chasidus, as the Abarbanel told us, it's tokiv chasidus, so the height of his righteousness, which is one of the reasons why the, the, the Navi is brought down in Nach, and Yonah assumed that this was Minashamayim, they were agreeing with him, from heaven they were saying that he was correct. However, it's interesting to note that he was literally, totally opposite, literally <coughs> wrong meaning to say, and the reality was that Hashem was bringing this for the exact opposite reason that he thought. He thought that Hashem was agreeing with him and was going to allow him to get out of the Nevoah, when in fact the opposite, Hashem was bringing this specifically so that he should do exactly what he should do, namely be the Novi to get an invite to do tshuva. And I think this is an interesting example of a mistake that we often make. People often say things like, oh, it's Bashert, it's Bashert. Now, it's 100% correct. You are right that it's definitely Bashert. It's definitely Hashem involved in the world. But the question is, what does it mean? <clears throat> Meaning, you don't have a right to assume that just because something is Minashamayim, that you understand 100% the right intention and that you know exactly what it's supposed to mean <clears throat> and why it's to be. I heard my Rebbe, the Rashiva Zatzal, many, many a time explain <clears throat> we don't learn from directional signals. Meaning to say, you have to go on a certain path, you have to go in a certain way, there are signs, you don't know what they mean necessarily, and you can't necessarily give too much credence to them. If we were to give credence 
and to successes in this world. If we were to say that, obviously, anyone who's successful, Hashem is on their side. I believe I once heard the Rishivas Atzal say, in that case, we'd all have to be Catholic, because the Catholic Church has a tremendous amount of money, and tremendous amount of power and success, but that doesn't mean that Hashem wants us to do that. It doesn't mean that's right, and doesn't mean that's proper. It means that there's a certain reason why Hashem is arranging that to come about. And the reality is, while we look to see Hashem's hand in the world all the time, we don't always understand why it is and, and what's happening. And in fact, that's in fact what Yonah was doing. He learned the exact wrong shot in what was happening. It was exactly to bring him to say the Nevoah, and he thought it was the opposite. And I would like to spend just a moment on this concept, because I think it's something that happens often. Oftentimes, you'll hear people say, well, look, he's very successful. Obviously, he must be doing something right. Hashem approves of, of, of what he's doing. Listen, he's making a lot of money. He's very powerful. He's very popular. Obviously, they agree with what he's doing. And the reality is that that oftentimes has no correlation whatsoever to reality. The Chobos of Ovos says that a person may be given money for one of three reasons. And I'm going to focus on money only because in our civilization today, that is oftentimes a measure of success. But explains the Chavaz Levovos that Hashem will give wealth to a person for one of three reasons. Either a bracha, blessing, or an asayan, a test, or a klala, or a curse. And explains the Chavaz Levovos, you can watch how the person uses the wealth, and you'll immediately know why he was given it. <clears throat> if a person is granted great wealth, and then he uses his time appropriately to learn, to daven, to serve Hashem, to help his community, if he becomes a real, pure Ever Hashem, then you could see that the money was a bracha. It was a blessing given to him because Hashem understands the nature of this person, give this person an easier time earning a living, and he'll use his time more appropriately, dedicated to the Klai Yisrael, dedicated to serving Hashem, and Hashem has given him a bracha, and that wealth is exactly that, it's a blessing. If a person has great wealth, and then becomes more involved in his business, has to now deal with other ancillary businesses, and has to deal with investments, and he becomes more and more involved in keeping his money, and making more money, no one understands you're watching a man who's being tested. That's a Nisayan. That's a Nisayan, it's a life test, and the only question is, what's he going to do with it? How's he going to use his time? What's he going to accomplish with it? And the third category, explains the Chobos of Ovos, is what we call a curse. A man who's eating up his world to come in this world. <clears throat> Explains the Chavaz Avavos that often time it is that Hashem feels a need to pay back a person. A person did something right, but Hashem doesn't want to pay that person back in the world to come because that's for eternity <clears throat> and that is extraordinarily precious and valuable. Sometimes Hashem will pay back a person in this world their world to come reward and that is a curse. Because you're watching a man use up his world to come in this world, and sometimes it's because Hashem doesn't want him in the world to come at all. When you have a Russia who has it good, and that's what's happening. And even if you have a Benoni, a regular person who really has it good in this world, but you see what happens is that he becomes totally involved in worldly pleasures. He buys the yacht, the boat and the yacht, he buys a summer cottage and the beautiful cars. When you see a person who gets trapped in the this world affairs, when he becomes more and more deeply involved in materialism, no one understanding you're watching a man who's cursed. It looks very appealing, it looks very alluring, and it looks like, wow, Hashem must love him, but quite the opposite, that man is eating up his world to come in this world, that's a man who's cursed. 
And again, Yonah is an interesting indication on a greater, <coughs> grander scale because he was a pure chassid and he was not involved in any sense of materialism. But again, he made that mistake of misunderstanding, misreading exactly what was happening. Now, I'd like to two more points before we begin the second parak. The next point is very compelling. And that is the Pusuk, when Yonah goes, he's on the boat, and the sailors see that something unusual is being happen, happening, the boat is being thrust into the center, and it literally looks like it's going to be ripped apart, and it's clear that this is from Hashem. And they ask him, who are you? What's happening? Why is this? And finally he says, the reason for this is because of me. But the expression he says is, Ki b'sheli hasar It is for me, b'sheli, for my account, that this great tempest, this is happening. Now let's focus on this for a minute. There are 70 ovde of Arazara, 70 people who by many accounts would be considered wicked on that boat, and one righteous, holy Jew. Yonah is a chassid, Yonah is a tzaddik, Yonah is on one of the highest levels of any human being imaginable. And of the all the people on the boat, who is the one who's responsible for it seeming to be coming down? Says Yonah, it's me. It's not you, it's me. And that's relevant because it's an interesting illustration that sometimes we misunderstand as to who's accountable and who's responsible. In a global sense, we know that the reason why calamities happen in the world is for Yisrael. We do enjoy a unique position in the world. But sometimes we misunderstand as to for whom that punishment or that loud noise is coming. The Brisker Rov was once approached by people and by people complaining. This was just around the time that the state of Israel was formed, and people came and complained, Look, look at the Chiloni, look at the irreligious Jews. Because of their sins, because of the Chil Shabbos, and their riots, and their deaths, and their such troubles, why don't they understand what they're causing? And the Brisker Rov said to these people, Didn't you pay attention to what was happening in Yonah? 70 of the Avodah and Yonah said, it's not because of you, it's because of me. And says the briskarov to these people, are we, are we so kosher? Is everything in our camp okay? It's because of us. And furthermore, he said, when people say al-chet, when they say vidui for other people's sins, they're making a mistake. What makes you think it's because of their sins, said the briskarov It's because of us, meaning to say the religious Jews, the pious Jews, everyone has a responsibility, but the point is, he was saying, don't put the blame on others, everything by us is not so kosher, and in fact Yonah is an interesting illustration of that, it could well be the most pious of the generation are the ones who are responsible, because more is demanded of them, and more is expected of them. One more little stop before we begin the, the second parak. when Yonah is asked, what should we do? He says an interesting expression. He says, Sauni vahatiluni, pick me up and throw me into the ocean. Now, there's an extra word there. Pick me up and throw me into the ocean. What he means to say is throw me into the ocean. There's only one hope, guys. This is because of me. Unless you kill me, unless you end my life, you will all go down with me. So throw me overboard. So what he should have said is, throw me over. But he said, pick me up and throw me over. The altar of Slobodka made a diuk in this, 
And he said what Yonah was doing was trying to prolong the event. He didn't want it happening too fast. He realized that there was another moment of life that he could buy, and he said it in that way, because pick me up and throw me because it's another step. It's sort of a delay. It's another moment of life that he would enjoy. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that his life was over, but he said in a way to lengthen his life at least one more second, one more moment. So he said that expression, pick me up and throw me in. And this is illustrative of a love of life. And it's an interesting thing. When people understand life, when people value life appropriately, there's a love, there's a passion. Every moment of life is precious. And it's interesting to note when you find gedolim, when you find great people who really understood what they could accomplish, they had such a love of life that it's almost astonishing. As an example, the Dvar Avram, who was a Balmusser from pre-World War II Europe. In any case, he was in Poland, and the Nazis had already occupied the town. At the time, he was sick, and he was in the hospital. And when the town was occupied at a certain point, his Talmidim found out that the next day the Germans had planned to burn down that hospital. Jews were only allowed in certain hospitals. This was a Jewish hospital, and they planned to burn it down the next day. That night, in the stealth of night, the students come to him and say, Rebbe, we have to take you out. I have to take you out of the hospital because tomorrow the Germans are going to burn it down. And he said to them, I'm too sick. If you take me out, I'm going to die. You have to leave me here. They said, Rebbe, we can't leave you. He said, if you want to do something for me, take me to an upper floor. Take me to a higher floor. They said, Rebbe, what's that going to do? He said, the Germans are going to start the fire from the bottom. If I'm on a higher floor, it'll take longer to get there. I'll have a little bit more time on this earth. Now that's an astonishing thing to say. Here's an old man who's sick, who knows he's going to die. And how much time is it going to take between the bottom floor and the top floor for the flames to rise? A few more moments. What a Jew can accomplish in a moment in life, what a Jew can accomplish in just a moment of existence, is tremendous and astonishing. And when you read about such stories, and when you read about Noach, even though he knew he was going to die, but delay it for a moment, you get an appreciation of the value of life, and you get an appreciation of, of what a person should aspire to in terms of his understanding. Okay, so let's begin Perik Bays now. Perik Bays begins, Vayaman Hashem Dagadol, Hashem prepared a large fish, Livlo as Yonah to swallow up Yonah, Vayonah Bimea Dag, Shloshi Yomim, Ushlosha Lelos. And Yonah was in the innards, in the inside of his dog, three days and three nights. Now the expression Vayaman literally means either prepared or got ready, but it's an unusual expression. And Rashi says the reason why the, the Nach used this expression is to teach us something very, very interesting. And that is that Yonah lived inside this well for three days. <clears throat> inside this well are various digestive juices that will eat away the flesh of a human. By all rights, Yonah should have been disintegrated. His skin should have been dissolved because of the acidic <clears throat> digestive juices in the stomach of the whale. Whatever <clears throat> juices it normally uses to digest its food should have been there and Yonah should have died explains Rashi that when the, the Nach uses the expression Vayaman, it's to tell us that during those three days, this whale ate unusual food, it ate mun. Hashem had saved some mun for this whale, and the whale ate this mun, and therefore it's normal, the digestive juices didn't have a deleterious effect on Yonah, 
<coughs> he remained in this whale and he too ate of this man during those three days and he remained healthy and well. Now it's interesting because the Radak says that one of the reasons why <coughs> Sefer Yonah is included in Nach is specifically to teach us and show us the great miracle that Hashem will do for His righteous and holy beloved. Yonah lived inside a whale for three days, which is physically impossible. There's no air in there. <coughs> Again, he should have been eaten alive. His flesh should have been peeled off his, <coughs> off his bones. And the fact that he remained alive for three days is a nace, is a miracle. <coughs> he remained there. And again, one of the reasons why <coughs> Nach was, this was included in Nach was to let us know of the tremendous chesed that Hashem will do, <coughs> nisim and miracles that Hashem will, will bring on a regular basis. The Barbanel, interesting enough, points out that that same type of miracle happens to us on a regular basis. It's a little bit ironic that when we experience miracles <coughs> on a regular basis, we fail to realize them. But he says, <coughs> observe the following. If a man lived in the, in the innards of a, of a fish, in the stomach of a fish, <coughs> for three days we'd be astounded, we'd be astonished. Oh my goodness, what a miracle. we put it in Nach. <coughs> but he explains, doesn't an infant remain, does an embryo remain in its mother's stomach for nine months? It forms within the stomach of the mother. <coughs> inside the <coughs> placenta there, <coughs> inside the embryo somehow knows not to breathe. The minute it comes out, it breathes, it will breathe within the placenta <coughs> wall, it would breathe in the ambionic fluid, it would drown. Somehow it doesn't excrete. If it were to excrete when it was inside the stomach, <coughs> it would poison <coughs> the fluid that it's floating in it would potentially die, damage the mother. Somehow, everything is perfectly programmed <coughs> for these two cells, the tiny egg cell and the sperm cell, to unite, divide, and a fully formed, perfect human being formed within the belly of the mother. And no one says, Oh my goodness, what a miracle! <coughs> Explains Barbara. Now that is a miracle of astonishing proportions. Literally, <coughs> like Yona, but in truth, much less. The only difference between a <coughs> embryo in the mother's stomach is that we're accustomed to it. It happens regularly. But in terms of the miraculousness of it, it's much greater than Yonah. <coughs> it's much more astonishing because of the intricate systems that evolve and become and are brought forth. And again, if a person trains his eyes to see, <coughs> they can learn to see extraordinary miracles in our daily life, and it could have a very different approach to existence. In any case, after these three days... Yonah Davin to Hashem his God from the inside of this Daga, of this fish. Now Rashi makes an interesting observation. In Pasuk Aleph we're told that Hashem prepared a Dag Gadol, a large male fish for Yonah. Dag is male. Now in Pasuk Beis we're told that Yonah Davin to Hashem his God from inside the Daga, from inside the female fish. Now wait a minute. In Pasuk Aleph, he was swallowed by a male fish, a dog, and now in Pasuk Bays, he dominates to Hashem from inside the female fish. It explains Rashi that that's exactly what happened. <clears throat> Hashem arranged for a male fish to swallow him, and Yonah remained in that fish for three days and three nights, but he didn't daven. <clears throat> and therefore Hashem said, fine. Hashem <clears throat> brought a female fish along, had the male fish spit out Yonah into the female fish's mouth, and then, when Yonah was inside the female's fish, it was pressing, he was being pressed, the, the female fish was pregnant, and it was very dachok, it was very tight in there, and because of his discomfort, and because he was being pressed on all sides, 
that caused him to daven. He didn't daven from the male fish. He had a, it was a little too comfortable from there. <coughs> it wasn't until he was in the female fish that, in fact, he davened. And we're going to come back to this point a little bit later to focus on it, because I believe there's a tremendous insight <coughs> for us to learn from it. But let's proceed for a moment. <coughs> in any case, at this point, <coughs> Yonah davens to Hashem, and at this point, things begin to change. The Marsha and the Gemarantinus explains that this was actually Yonah's tshuva. You see, when it says that he davened to Hashem, what it means is, he davened to Hashem the following words, Hashem, I know that you're going to forgive Ninveh. Please forgive the Klai Yisrael as you will forgive Ninveh. His tefillah was to forgive the Klai Yisrael, and with those words he basically acquiesced. By saying to Hashem, please forgive Yisrael as you forgive Ninveh, he was basically saying to Hashem, obviously I'm going to go to Ninveh, I know they're going to go tshuva, and effectively, the Marshal explains that this was his tshuva. The next passage says, the He says, I called out from my pain to Hashem, and Hashem answered me, from the stomach of the womb, Shivisi, I cried, Shamati Koli, Hashem, you heard my voice. Now the Ebenezer points out that all of the rest of this tefillah is in the future tense. And even though he was inside the, still inside the innards of this fish, he saw Baruch HaKodesh that he was going to be saved, <coughs> he saw Baruch HaKodesh that Hashem was going to have him spit out onto land, and he was already singing Shira. It was so obvious to him and so clear that he was going to be saved that he was already singing Shira, he was already praising Hashem <coughs> for, for the salvation that was to come. Hashem, you threw me into the depth, into the heart of the oceans, and the rivers surrounded me, all of your breakers and your, and your waves passed over me. Yonah here is describing the fact that this whale, this large fish, took him for quite a trip. He went up, he went down, he went into various parts of the oceans, he saw the might of the ocean, he saw the depth of it, and here he's saying, Hashem, you saved me from this. When he amarti, and I said, I said, Hashem, I'm thrown out from in front of you. However, now I know that I will once again see, I will once again see the base Amigdash. This Pasuk is very interesting because Rashi explains on this, I said I was thrown out, explains Rashi, what does it mean? I knew that I was dead. I assumed that I w- when I was thrown into the Yam, when I was thrown into the ocean, I assumed I was dead, and therefore I was to be thrown away from in front of you. <coughs> you see, what Rashi seems to be saying is as follows. Yonah knew that effectively he was responsible for his death. And Allah is that Amabid Atzmuladas, if a person causes his own death willingly, in he has no portion in the world to come. Now normally when we deal with suicide cases, we assume there's a high level of insanity, they're not really responsible, not really accountable, but Yonah was not in any sense lacking in understanding, he was not in any sense not mentally responsible or capable, fully aware, fully alert, he caused his death, and apparently he assumed that therefore he was going to lose his Olam Haba, his world to come. Hashem, I knew that I was thrown out from in front of you, means not in this world, but rather in the world to come, meaning Yonah assumed that by not going on this journey, not bringing Ninveh to Tshuva, he assumed that he was going to lose not just his life, 
but his world to come as well. And I think this is highly illustrative of what a tzaddik this man was. He knew that it was going to happen anyway. <clears throat> he knew that Hashem was going to bring Nineveh to Tshuva. But I can't be a part of harming my people. <clears throat> Nineveh is going to be part of kicking the Jewish nation out of Eretz Yisrael. I won't be a part of it if it means giving up this world. If <clears throat> it means giving up the world to come, I'm not a part of it. And he went willingly to his death, assuming that that was going to end with his not just losing his life, but losing his Olam Haba as well. But then, interestingly enough, what's his next step? He says, however, Hashem, you saved me, and again I will see the Beis HaMikdash. Now that's a very interesting statement. If you ask a person who just got his life saved, imagine you had a person who was, uh, had, terminal, had a terminal illness. He had cancer, let's say, and he's just given a word, we've beat it, it's now in remission. And he now knows that he's going to live. Ask him, what do you want to do in the next two months, in the next six months? From his response, you'll understand who this person is. And from what he says, you'll understand what he values. Now, Jonas said, I thought I was dead. No this world, no world to come, but now I see I'm alive in the world to come, <clears throat> I'm alive here, and why is that so wonderful to me? Because I will once again go to the base of Migdash. I will once again see Heichal Kachacha. And what Yonah was expressing was something very, very powerful and very, very deep. What a Jew experienced when he went to the base of Migdash was the presence of Hashem's Shekhinah. <coughs> he experienced Hashem right there. Today, <coughs> unfortunately, Hashem is hidden. It's very difficult for us to access Hashem, to feel Hashem. <coughs> sometimes we can, sometimes when we're dominating, sometimes on Shabbos. <coughs> we go to Eretz we go to the coastal, we could see, to some extent we could feel Hashem. <coughs> but when a Jew was Ola Regel, when a Jew went to the base of Mikdash, he felt Hashem's presence fully right there. And explains in the Siddur Shisharim that that is the greatest joy <coughs> that a human being can ever have. Hashem created the whole world to give us the opportunity to grow and accomplish so that when we leave this earth, we will be able to be dovic, we will be able to cling, be close to Hashem. In accordance to the amount of work that we do here, we will merit being close to Hashem and explains in the Sala Sharm that that is the greatest tanug, the greatest enjoyment that a human being can ever experience. And what Yonah was describing was his ultimate yearning was one thing, to cling to his Creator, to experience Hashem, to feel that spiritual sublime holiness and to be there in the base of Migdash and he said, now Hashem you saved me and why do I sing Shira now? Because I will once again have a chance to go to Hecha Kachecha to go to the base of Migdash. The water covered me until my life, I assumed I was going to die, to home, the depths of the depths surrounded me, the ocean surrounded my head. And Rashi brings down that Hashem gave Yonah a little bit of a tour. When he was inside that dog, and not only did that dog bring him to various parts of the ocean, apparently, the Medrash explains to us, that the eyes of that fish worked as windows. Yonah was able to see out, he was able to see the depth, <coughs> he was able to see various things, and Hashem allowed him to see Kriyas Yamsuf. Apparently, <coughs> I don't know if he saw actually the splitting of the sea, but he saw how Hashem did it, <coughs> he saw what it looked like. Apparently, I assume it's so to Hashem Liyireyov, that Hashem was allowing one of his beloved, one of those who fear him, to see some of the secrets of Hashem, and Yonah was able to see Suf Chavush, the Yamsuf split. 
the Kitzvei Harim Yeradati, to the depth of the ocean, to the actual submerged mountains of the oceans I went down, Haritz B'Recha the land was locked into me, V'tal Mishachas Chayai, and I rose up from the depth, Hashem Elokai, Hashem is my God. And this is all part of the Shira, one more Pasuk, and B'Satayfalei Nafshi, when my life was upon me, meaning I thought I was going to die, as Hashem Zacharti, I remember Hashem, V'tavoy Lav Tilasi, and my Tila came to him, El Heichal Kachecha, to the base of Mikdash. Mishamrim Havli Shav, Chazdam Yazovu. Now this Pasuk is a little bit of a turning point. According to the Barmanel, what Yonah is saying here is as follows. Mishomrim Havli Shav, those people who guard emptiness, Chazdam, their merit, Yazovu, will leave them. What Yonah is referring to over here is the fact that those people of Nineveh, yes, they'll do tshuva, but it's not going to last. Hashem, I'm not afraid. Why? Because I'm going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to tell them to do tshuva, but I know it's not going to last. And therefore, I'm not really afraid that they are going to be participants in hurting the Jewish people because I assume they're going to go back to their old ways. However, I, the voice of appreciation, will bring karbanas to Hashem. That which I promised I will keep. Hashem is my salvation. Hashem is the one that saves me. And with these words, this parak ends. And Yonah has finished up. <coughs> Explains Zibarmanel that this was actually his complete tshuva. And this was the last step in his tshuva, where he <coughs> said to Hashem, I will not renege on my word, that which I promised I will keep. I will go to Ninveh, and I'm <coughs> banking on the fact that yes, they will do tshuva, but I also assume that they're going to go <coughs> back on it. Vayomer Hashem Ladag, Hashem said to the fish, Vayake es Yonah el Hayabasha, and the fish spit Yonah out to the Abasha. Now the Medrash tells us that those Molochim were still on the boat. The sailors had not yet turned back to Yafo. They were still on the boat, glued to the spot, and they saw this large fish come out as well, whatever it might be, come out of the water and spit Yonah onto the Abasha, onto the dry land. Only after they had seen this, then they went to Yafo, then they were Magaya, they converted. But in any case, Yonah is spit out, and Hashem says to the dog to spit him out, and Yonah spit out onto the Abasha. Now the Pasuk uses the expression, Vayomer Hashem, Hashem said. And the Rishonim explained that it wasn't Vayomer, Hashem didn't say, the Radak explains, he made the will of the fish such that it should want to spit out the dog. Apparently the dog is bothered by the problem that Hashem isn't going to speak to a fish because a fish doesn't speak languages. A fish doesn't understand words. So says the dog, don't make a mistake. It doesn't mean that Hashem spoke to the fish. What it means is that Hashem awoken the spirit of the fish made it do this. Now the reason why I stop on this is because I think this is a very interesting point. You see, the reality is that Hashem never speaks. Hashem isn't limited by any physicality, hence Hashem doesn't have a mouth, hence Hashem never speaks. All nevuah that a human being has is an awakening of the spirit. When we say Hashem spoke to a person, 
referring to a different level <coughs> of nevuah. <coughs> what that means is l'shovera ozen, to sort of <coughs> an expression to make it more palpable, make it more understandable. But the reality is, <coughs> Hashem doesn't speak, and <coughs> any time Hashem appears to a person, it ref- means in this sort of way where Hashem awakens that person's heart, <coughs> Hashem transmits a mission, a, a, a transmission or Hashem gives an image to that person, when a Novi has a Nevuah, he sees a certain image and then interprets it. So the problem then is, why did the Torah, why did the Nach use the Lashon Vayomer? And he said, obviously Hashem isn't speaking to the fish, so why use that expression? So here, it's very interesting to note that the Medjram explains the word Vayomer is very specific and very exact. Of course Hashem didn't speak to the fish, and Nach didn't need to use that word for that reason. But the Medrash Rabbah and Bereshus Rabbah explains that this refers to a different Vayomer, the Vayomer of the fifth day of creation. On the fifth day Hashem created the fish, and explains the Medrash, on the fifth day of creation Hashem created a specific fish to swallow up Yonah. This fish was created long ago and remained in the oceans, was prepared thousands of years earlier. And the reason I mention that is because sometimes it's interesting to note. <clears throat> we'll be in a situation and we'll say, Hashem, what, where are you, where are you, where are you? And we don't understand that Hashem may have set up the situation generations ago. And <clears throat> may have set this up for a particular reason. <clears throat> Here in this case, Yonah's fish had been prepared to him by Misa Bracious, and this was just an unfolding of events. And every once in a while we have to step away from our mortal, limited <clears throat> sight and understand that Hashem views things from a much broader perspective, and Hashem plans decades in advance, sometimes millennium in advance. Before we finish this parak, I want to go back to a point that we mentioned in the beginning, and that is the Rashi about Dag and Daga. Again, the Pasuk says that Hashem prepared a a Dag, a male fish, to swallow up Yonah. Yonah wasn't moved. He stayed there three days and three nights, and therefore Hashem brought a female fish, and once he was in the female fish, the female fish was he was very uncomfortable. He was dochok because she was pregnant, and he had very little space, and that's why he did tshuva. Now this Rashi, and it's actually it's a medrash, is very difficult to understand, because what it seems to imply is that the reason why Yonah didn't do tshuva in the male fish was it was too comfortable. He was comfortable, and because he was too comfortable, he didn't do tshuva. So Hashem brought this female fish. Now he squeezed. He's uncomfortable. Oh, the man breaks. And that sounds very difficult to understand. Let's let's think about for a moment who we're dealing with. <clears throat> we're dealing with a man who's so idealistic. <clears throat> we're dealing with a man who's so altruistic that he'll give up his life, give a huge sum of money. When he went down to the boat, he paid the schara, the entire <clears throat> cost of the entire boat. No amount of money, no amount of difficulty is too great. I am a man committed to a mission. So this man is so idealistic so willing to stand on principle, but you put him into a tight, tight spot, squeeze him a little bit, oh, he breaks and it's all over. And the question is, what's pshat? Had he stayed in the male fish, apparently he wouldn't have done tshuva. But you make him a little bit uncomfortable, squeeze him a little bit, all of a sudden he breaks, he cracks, it sounds very difficult to understand. And I think the answer to this is that physical pain does something interesting to a person. Physical pain oftentimes changes your perspective. You see, deep, deep down inside, Yonah understood that what he was doing was wrong. At the end of the day, he was a tremendous chassid, and it looked very, very right, and very appropriate, but it was wrong. Hashem knows better than I, and Hashem said to do it. 
And it's okay to put up a fight. It's okay to resist. But at the end of the day, Hashem is God. Hashem is in charge, and I have to listen. And deep, deep down inside, Yonah knew that he was wrong, but he remained steadfast. And it wasn't until he was in an uncomfortable position, until he was squeezed, until he was pressured, <clears throat> until he felt physical pain, then he reached apparently more deeply into his inner soul, he reached more deeply into himself, and he understood that that which he was doing was wrong. And this is very illustrative, because sometimes people wonder, why do I need this for? Do I need this sorrow and this pain, back pain, and arthritis, and headaches, do I need this? And oftentimes it is that pain shapes a person's understanding, changes a person's attitude, <clears throat> certainly it makes us more humble, allows us to understand our mortality, and oftentimes it is that pain is one of the greatest favors that Hashem could bring to a person. If it changes my approach to life, <clears throat> if it changes my attitude, I become a different person, and I may head in a different path in life. In our case, in Yonah's situation, vastly different. Had he not been in the female fish, he would have been finished, dead in this world and dead in the world to come the great tzaddik, the great chassid Yonah would have been no one and nothing, and Hashem with great mercy and with tremendous kindliness brought him to pain, because the pain caused him to look at things differently and the pain caused him to reach more deeply within his soul, and the pain caused him to reach a different understanding and pain and oftentimes only pain does exactly that to a person. And many times we have to live through difficult situations, we have to live through hardships, and we say, Hashem, don't you care? Or may feel, Hashem, are you callous? Believe me, Hashem cares 10,000 times more than we care. Hashem loves us more than we love us. But the point is that oftentimes that pain is imperative, imperative for our growth, imperative for our understanding, and will change our course in life, we may not appreciate it here, but when we leave this earth, then with great simcha, joy, and jubilation, we'll thank Hashem for everything that He brought us to.